the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Okay, so thank you so much. I am together with Alice and Miriam, and it's a pleasure to have you both here on Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. So before we begin our session, um, I wanted to introduce Alice. She's actually one of my favorite ambassador <laughs> ever because um, so she's always very, very happy whenever I see her on Wine to Wine and via events. So I'm so happy to have you here, Alice. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing very good here. Hello, Laika. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, almost Lunar New Year here in in Asia, so we're getting the holiday mood here. But uh, good to have this interview before we uh, close down for the holidays. Of course. Thanks. Thanks for being uh, awake. I mean, I'm sure that it's late back there in Hong Kong. So first, um, Alice is a physical therapist by the day and a wine educator by night. Her love for Italian wine started in the early 2000s when she lived in New York. The passion continued to grow when she relocated to Hong Kong and she was proud to be one of the first batch of graduates from the enhanced edition of the Vinitaly Italian Wine Ambassador Program in 2018. Ever since then, Alice has been working closely with the Italian consulate and also the Italian trade agency in Hong Kong to promote Italian wines. She has also represented several wine consortia in Italy, such as the Alto Adige Wine Consortium and the Consortium for the Protection of Abruzzo Wines on professional training and consumer education. To honor her contribution in promoting Italian wines, Alice was the winner of 2020 Hong Kong Living Influencer Award. Wow, congratulations on that one. So for today, you have selected Miriam as your favorite producer. So why did you select her as your favorite producer? I met uh, Miriam a long time ago in 2016 in Hong Kong. And uh, when her importer in Hong Kong here, Watson's Wine, arranged a dinner for her winery. And back then uh, in 2016, I wasn't uh, an Italian wine ambassador yet. I was just a wine lover. I studied WSET diploma. And uh, Abruzzo was a fairly new region to me. So I was very excited about the region, the wines and the winery. And I was definitely impressed uh, uh, at that night. And uh, ever since then, I I saw Miriam over the years at different events, whether it's in Hong Kong or whether it's Infinitely and Wine to Wine. If we've been in touch and uh, it's just something that I think we have a very special relationship. And I especially like the Trebbiano de Brusso. 
And um, I just wanted more people to know about their wines in Asia. Tell me, um, since we're all very geeky here in this room, as we have our Italian wine ambassador. So, oh, hi, Ellen. Hi, Ellen, Kevin, Elena, Cynthia, Tushar, and Andre. So thanks, thanks a lot for being here. So I wanted to um, ask, what are the learning objectives that we should be expecting from this interview? You're correct. I do have several geeky questions to ask Miriam uh, about winemaking. So one of the first questions I had would be to talk about the special white wines and rosé from Abruzzo. I hope she can answer some of these questions specific to the wines they produce at their winery. And also in general, uh, like I said before, um, outside of Italy, especially in Asia, not a lot of people understand wines from Abruzzo. So I'd like to learn about her view uh, in terms of the position of the wines of her region compared to the rest of Italy to the outside world. Thirdly, I'd like to also know as women how she feels about the role of women in the wine industry now compared to 10, 15 years ago. I think we have made a lot of progress and I think she has been um, taking over that role for for a good number of years now. So it's good to um, uh, listen to uh, Miriam and tell, have her tell us um, how things have evolved in the last decade. And finally, I know her winery, Masterelli, uh, has a very strong emphasis on sustainability. So I'd just like to get some information from her on that. Okay, yes, I, I actually like how you grouped, um, categorized everything together. And so I am looking forward for a very detailed and thorough um, interview. So um, I leave the floor to you. I'm going to meet myself and yeah, that's it. All right. Thank you, Laika. So I will start with uh, giving a short introduction of Miriam Mascherelli. Uh, Miriam is the brand manager of the Mascherelli Winery. She's a third generation of the, fam of the family of the winery history. Uh, her father was the late Gianni Mascherelli and her mother is uh, Marina Svetich. As a child, she traveled frequently with her parents, um, her father and the grandfather uh, to uh, conduct business activities all over Europe. She learned a lot about logistics and productions. Every step of winemaking she was quite involved in since she was a child. I'm sure a lot of ambassadors in this room know about the story of her family. When Miriam was 18 years old, unfortunately, her uh, father Gianni passed away. Uh, it was unexpected. And uh, she, Miriam, and her mother at that time stepped up uh, to really help a lot with the family's business. At that time, Miriam first was studying in the university in Rome. After her graduation in Rome, she went to New York and worked in marketing and also for a wine importer company, handling more the business side of the industry, specializing in PR, communication, in the wine and beverage business. And after a few years, um, she eventually moved back to um, Italy and uh, helped with the family's business uh, with the wine production. Recently, she has made a significant contribution in defining the role of Montepulciano de Brusso uh, with the uh, Villa Gamma Reservas uh, that was since 2012 vintage. And, uh, and today, uh, Miriam works full-time for the family business as a brand manager and uh, focusing on the promotion, sponsorship, and the uh, special events around the world. Uh, Miriam, again, thanks for uh, accepting my invitation to be interviewed today. Um, so I have a few questions, like I said before, to start with. Let's start with some geeky questions about winemaking. I know that in your portfolio, the Machiavelli production, there are several product lines, including the uh, Gianni Machiavelli, uh, Marina Schwetik, and the Villa Gamma. 
And the first white wine I've tried from your production was actually the Tribbiano from the uh, Marina Svetish line. And I really, really liked it. On the other hand, the uh, Villa Gamma uh, line is not so easy to find in the market. And I noticed that in that line, the Villa Gamma Abruzzo Bianco is not actually uh, 100% made from um, Tribbiano d'Abruzzo. It was made as a blend uh, uh, amongst uh, several white grape varieties. Uh, can you tell us more about that wine and what, what was the decision behind to make that wine as a blend instead of 100% variety wine? Hi, everyone. Uh, hi, Alice. Thank you for the invitation and thank you especially for selecting me for your favorite uh, winery in Abruzzo. Uh, very kind. Yes, so about Villa Gemma Bianco, it's a blend of three native grapes from Abruzzo. Uh, mostly is Tribbiano, second is Pecorino, is another native grape from Abruzzo, and then a little percentage of Cococciola. It's uh, one of the most is- historical wine that we have, one of the first wine that my father produced. It's not easy to find because it's a more local market, it's more very... Um, we sell mostly in Italy. Actually, is the, the 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 wine that we play more because uh, with the, this kind of uh, blend every year uh, change the percentage, and uh, we try to balance the wine with the, for example, with the Trebbiano, we want to give the balance of the wine with the the pecorino, for example, the structure and Cococciola a little bit the freshness on the wine. I think it's an expression of uh, a brutto wine with this full of native grapes, uh, autochthony grapes, uh, vines of Abruzzo. Trebbiano still uh, need a little bit of um, knows better now because Montepulciano internationally is more uh, known, but Trebbiano still it's a little bit high. I think it's one of the best uh, white grapes uh, that we have in, in Italy, actually. First of all, because the longevity of the wine is incredible, uh, even the, the structure in Abruzzo is planted uh, more than 75% of Montepulciano in general. So Trebbiano should be uh, knows more in the future. Uh, we will see. Of course, uh, even the market now is moving more into the, the white wine for uh, many reasons. So we see what happens. Very interesting. So your um, Trebbiano Brousseau from Marina Svetic Schlein is made in uh, French oak. How about this wine? So Trebbiano Marina Svetic is a reserva wine. It's a single vineyard. Uh, it's a crew. The vineyard is... Uh, close to the winery. The winery is uh, in the province of Chieti and the feet of the Maiella uh, mountain, close to a um, national park. is uh, on the top of the hill, so we had the vineyard is about 40 years old. Uh, and this is 350 meters above the level of the sea, uh, so a little bit high. The curious things about this vineyard, the vineyard is in the mountain, in Maiella mountain that we have in Abruzzo. And there is a river through the vineyards that is full of crab. So the crab was the river of the, the mountain. So it's a beautiful vineyard with a beautiful terroir. The biodiversity, uh, um, um, mostly I think it all the uh, vineyards that we have, the biodiversity around the vineyards that we have full of uh, everything like the different 
you cannot see jasmine as other type of culture other tree olive trees we produce olive oil too because we have uh, the vineyards full of olive trees so it's a very beautiful vineyard and this is a one-year new french break it's a very small production oh can you tell us about how small we're talking about since i can never find it because depends of always depends of the vintage it's never the same uh, number of bottles but it's around uh, 15 uh, thousand 15 18 thousand bottles okay and in terms of aging potential for these two wines i know it's um, a very rough generalization but uh in terms of the time to reach its peak uh how long do you think that will take so for uh marina Cvetic trebbiano riserva i think uh it's a very like mortal wine so mm. i opened the other day three liters of 97 and this was incredible the last seven wow yes very long potential uh, so I think the oldest vintage that I try is 94. 94. Yes. And it was, was incredible too. Lovely. I wish I could uh, get to try some when I come to Italy in April. Yes, but uh, always during the Vinitaly, we try to uh, bring some uh, the old vintage bottle of Trebbiano Marina or Villaggio Marosso. So if you are uh, in Vinitaly, pass by. I will be. Uh, I definitely <laughs> will. <laughs> and whoever is listening in, in this room now, remember, um, I've yes. been in Italy in April. Stop by and taste the 90, 97 or old vintage. I can't promise. Yes. I guess we can't promise which vintage, but very interesting. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for the offer. Uh, now, to the other uh, iconic wine style, pretty unique to um, Brazil, is the Chiraz Swallow. Um, I think overall, I have this question because um, Italian rose has always been, in my view, underappreciated. Again, maybe also of Italy, but Chiraswalo de Brusso is such a distinctive product and it has its own, obviously, dedicated denomination um, in the DOC system. And again, you have several Chiraswalo in your portfolio as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the differences between them? So the difference between them, they're just actually the vineyard. For, for example, Villa Gemma Cerasuolo comes from a single vineyard, always in San Martino, where is the, the, the winery. I think Cerasuolo is the wine of the future because uh, even if the common sense is a rosé wine, but I used to call the fifth color now this is white red rosé orange and then there is cerasuolo because it's uh, something different the rosé the word cerasuolo comes from cerasa that means cherry actually and the color of the, the this kind of rosé is uh, cherry it's totally different from other typical rosé of uh, pink colored rosés personally i used to call the only red you can that you have to serve very chill very cool like a uh, 10 degrees. Also, it's very difficult wine making wine because uh, you have to pick the right day to pick the grapes during the, the, the harvest because Cerasuolo should be fresh but also with structure. So you have to find the right day. Uh, if you pick uh, too early, you are going to lose the structure of the, 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 the wine. And if you are going to uh, pick up late, uh, you are going to lose the freshness of the Cerasuolo, the, the, the rosé that uh, give the freshness of the wine. So it's a, uh, actually it's a nightmare during the harvest to pick the right day of the, the Cerasuolo wine. But this is uh, very unique. Also, it's very flexible because you can pair with actually with everything. 
everything with all the uh, meat uh, and seafood especially with tomato all the, the, the spicy food also it's not uh, a rosé wine that you uh, drink just in the summer but i think in january all the year it's a wine that you can it's uh, i think together with the champagne it's uh, the one one of the most flexible wine champagne in cerasuolo that you can uh, uh, drink uh, all day, uh, lunch, dinner, breakfast, all every every month, all these all seasons, and uh, all kind of food. Right, you gave me the permission to drink in breakfast. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I know. Can I can I tell you a story? Yeah. Uh, so Swallow was born many many years ago uh, from the farmers. Uh, was the wines of the farmers because they used to drink during the morning while they are working. Uh, so they cannot drink, of course, uh, Montepulciano. They are a little bit too, too strong for the morning and the, the field, you know, with the hot climate too. So they put this uh, the Cerasuolo. It's uh, uh, fresh, and uh, they they used to like, for, for example, my grand grandfather used to chill on the, the the river close to the the, the, the fields and the working land. So it, it was perfect for breakfast for the farmers at the time. <laughs> Great story. All right. I think I think for Chara Swallow, um, if, if there's a blind tasting game, just by looking at the color among rosés, it stands out. So it's relatively easy to tell by the appearance. And uh, this, the deeper color, is is it the nature of Montepulciano uh, made rosé wine or is also from the, the way the maceration was done? No, also the maceration. And maceration, uh, like for us, is minimum 12 hours, like with the cold maceration on 4, four degrees. So the color is caused because that also. Okay. And I just have to ask this question. It was actually something new to me. Uh, this summer when I was in New York, I was served a French rosé wine and my friends insisted on adding ice cubes to my wine. And I said, no, 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 can't be done. Uh, but later on, I learned that it was actually a really common practice, not just in the U.S., but also in certain parts of France as well. So um, what, what is your view on this in, term, in terms of adding ice cube to your churro swallow? Um, I don't used to put uh, ice cube. But uh, if you want, and also Sivi Kim told me, wine is a joy. So we have to, I think, Sivikim um, is right, we have to change even the communication of the wine, no? Because uh, I think it's uh, not not to give the wine very serious, old, classical, a little bit snobbish. So it's freedom. If you want to put the ice during a day of 40 degrees in New York, put ice. <laughs> and, uh, who I am to give to those uh, told you, to tell you, no, you are a bad person because you put the ice in the, the glass. <laughs> life life oh. is a joy and also wine is more pressurable when it's uh, sharing with the, with people. So that's the key. Oh, I love the, uh, the open-minded view. And uh, that honestly really reflects your family's philosophy. I always look into Macharelli as the, it's a symbol of uh, more than winemaking. And uh, certainly your statement just now uh, aligns with the vision of the story of your winery. We are more than because we are open-minded. We are no prejudice, very, very open. Like we are trying to study always, research always, um, trying like personally, I'm trying all the wines with all different philosophy. They are different wine from 
what from the the wines that I produce. So that's uh, our philosophy. It's um, no no prejudice. I always to be curious. And I think that's important, not only in terms of winemaking, so that you will keep on trying different methods to show a different to show what you think is best for the wine. But I think with that mindset, it's also very important when you introduce your wines to the export market. Uh, you don't have a very strict stereotype for your products. You are open to let people from different parts of the world enjoy your wine and the ways um, they think works best for their, for their world. Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. So with that, uh, let me jump on to my second group of questions, done with those geeky questions for now. Uh, in terms of Abruzzo wine, um, the position of your wines in Abruzzo, the position of Abruzzo wines in Italy. I know you're, you're brand manager, so you travel around the world to, to tell the world about your winery. What is the main thing that you see with all these years of going overseas, the biggest selling point to differentiate wines from Abruzzo? compared to the rest of Italy? So I see a little bit of a change in the last past uh, 10 years. So Abruzzo uh, now is still a treasure to discover. It's not well known like Tuscany or Piemont, but in 10 years we, we did a very good effort to explain like me personally, I when my father died and I I was studying and working together, and I was uh, the first trip was uh, in uh, New York. I remember I was now I am uh, 34, uh, so at the time I was 18, and I remember the people used to tell me, "Oh, where is Abruzzo? Is in Tuscany?" So I think now you find the 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 the, the people they ask me where is Abruzzo, but they, I. I find also people, they have been to Abruzzo, so they know Abruzzo, they know Montepulciano, Tarbiano, so I think uh, we all the wine producers did a very good job. We want to increase more, actually, uh, of course, to educate, thanks to you and all the wine educators that explain uh, all the people, even the new region, like uh, even if it's an old region for wine, but the new region to discover. So I think it's uh, your uh, your job is very, very important for every wine producer. And Barabruzzo now is one of is on, on the wine, all of the wine lists of the, the, the world. Still, we have to prove more because there is a lot of small, small wineries that might be sell in a local market, uh, so should be very more international. So to discover even because a region is made uh, not by two producers, three producers, but a big region, a wine region is made by few wine producers more than 30, more than uh, 40. So it's uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the expression of quality, of course. So I think that we are going in the right way. Yes, and I also remember in terms of the wine market, uh, I recall, actually, maybe I got it as a gift, but I do get a, a very old back vintage of Willa Gamma, back vintage wine from a friend. And I believe he got it from a secondary market. I think he got it from a wine auction. Uh, and so that's my other question as well. For people who actually do understand Italian wines, uh, in terms of investment, I mean, obviously, most people know the Gaia and Sassicaia. Uh, and in terms of uh, wines from Brussels, the first name that 
people think about is Valentini and then Emilio Pepe. What do you see the wines from uh, Mascherelli down the road uh, in the fine wine market? We have, we cover all the, the, the kind of money pocket, actually. So we have uh, fine wine and we also have wine from everyday. For example, with uh, we have uh, La Botte di Gianni is about uh, 900 bottles just because it's a tonneau. It's a barrel of uh, 700 liters. Uh, with Villa Gemarosso. Gianni was, my father was one of the first uh, producers that go outside Abruzzo and tell the story of the Abruzzo and uh, his wine all over the world. It was one of the first and it was a revolutionary man because he changed completely the method to make uh, wine uh, in his family, but especially in Abruzzo too. We need more of this wine, more the, more uh, more Valentini, more Pepe, more Masciarelli, where I, there is other wineries too. All right, before I move on, on to my next question. Actually, there is a question from the audience. We have a question from Anna. Hi, Anna. Uh, her question is back into the first section about uh, the winemaking part. Do you practice organic winemaking? Part of we are sustainable 360 degrees, not just the vineyards, but also the winery. But also we do like a mix of biodynamic and organic. For example, before that we plant a vineyard, we plant on a one year or four leaf clover, the sunflowers, and then we plant vineyards. Uh, we don't use chemical products. Also, if you also this, but we plant the vineyard where there is no streets, no houses, in the middle of the forest too. So if you see with your eyes, you, you can see the, what is very natural uh, vineyard. Also, we have uh, vineyards in national parks, so it's uh, you cannot touch everything. And does that practice also apply to your other products, such as the olive oil production as well? Yes. One more question on this side of it, since you're, you're you're the brand manager of the company. Castello di San Vicoli, if I pronounce it correctly, yes. is, is a castle, is a palace, right? And you mainly utilize that for hospitality, is that right? Yes, it is. It's a castle of uh, 16th century, close to the winery. It's a beautiful place. It's a, one on the top of the hill, surrounded by vineyards, with 11 rooms, with uh, actually uh, ancient olive meal of the 17th century. Also, we have uh, a small winery of the castle of uh, with the barrels of uh, 18th century, but it's, uh, it's open to the public uh, also. We opened in 2009 after a restoration of uh, 10 years of uh, conservative restoration. So all the materials are original, except for the furniture that is very, very modern and design, famous designer. But we organize show, uh, cooking, cooking lesson. Uh, we organize so many events. Even you can find um, many art pieces. We organize uh, artist residence uh, every year with the uh, different artists that live there and uh, live as uh, installation also. Uh, we do wine tasting, uh, picnic in the vineyard, uh, a lot of party, uh, and also it's, a, of course, a place to uh, restore like your energy because it's very peaceful place. It's on in the middle between the sea and the mountain. So it's uh, uh, 20 minutes driving to the sea, 20 minutes driving to the mountain. So it's a special spot. Very interesting. I asked because uh, some wineries um, like yours, uh, have a very elaborate hospitality center and, and really welcome visitors to understand the story uh, and the products of the winery. And I also know their wineries almost have like a closed door policy that you cannot get through the door. Uh, they don't want to deal with consumers. They just focus on making the wine and that's all they do. So in terms of wine tourism, 
what is your view in terms of that on promoting your brand and making helping people understand the overall Mascherelli experience? So I think when my father bought this castle, because if you see my winery is in the mountain, in the middle of nowhere, there is more <laughs> wild animals than people. Really honest, like my uh, my house, there is actually, the name is Villa Gemma. So it was mm-hmm. the first uh, winery. So my father used to make uh, wine in his home at the beginning. And then we came a little bit bigger and we moved in front of the house in the garden so until three months ago i had a wild beer a wild pig, <laughs> a wild pig. okay uh, so sometimes when you go outside the winery you can see oh my house where we are in the same place or you can see wolf also deer uh, eagles that you are you are walking and you have eagles on your head because wow. we are close to a national park then there is uh, abruzzo is one i think one of the greenest region that we have in italy it's not famous for industries or uh, it's famous for uh, agriculture it's famous for uh, winemaking for uh, restaurants we have a few very good restaurants also three star michelin uh, one star two star so it's, uh, it's famous for the enogastronomy world there is more than wild animals that people that uh, it's beautiful because even even beers like we have a lot of beers uh, that walking in in, the, in your garden sometimes and it's beautiful because all the children born with the respect of the wild animals so there is like this coexistence of uh, the two worlds no like uh, i respect you i don't want to bother you but the same way so we we never feel in dangerous i have just problem with the the wild pig that uh, i'm going they are going to eat all my uh, very good grapes every year so that's the only problem that we have. Very interesting. For my information, the last time I went to a, a winery in Napa, and I also stay on premise, uh, the wine the winemaker invited me to stay there for a few days. And I was told uh, every so often they will also have wild boars on the premise. And then they would tell me, oh, uh, tonight we're going to hunt for the wild boars. So please stay in your room because if we see one, we will shoot it. I want to make sure you're not around when we shoot it. Um, so, and then if, if we end up catching one, uh, the next day we'll have a big feast. Um, so just curious, is that what you would also do in your winery? No. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm against the hunting. I'm, I'm, I'm honest. But in okay. Abruzzo, it works like this. Um, okay. So there is the, the, the region gives some days that you can like the, the, the region give to you the authorization. You have to have the authorization before for the hunting. Because we have a lot of wolves, because the, 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 our village, uh, instead of call the, the, the hunters, uh, they put the wolf to eat the, the wild pig. But now the problem is uh, two wolves, and now we have 15 wolves. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> it's a repopulation of not the people, of the, a lot of animals. More more wolves than people. Yeah, and we have a lot of truffle also. Like, like in the, the, the last October, I found in the vineyard, one of the, my, my vineyard, very old vineyard, uh, white truffle also. Really? Why yeah. did not? 
I didn't know they have white troubles there too. Yes, and this is where you can find it actually, especially in the, the very old vineyards. I see, I see. Very no, Abruzzo is full of truffle. Nobody say it because they want to keep the secret, but it's full of truffle. It's a truffle region. I keep thinking Umbria was the one people always um, talk about when they talk about black truffle. I haven't heard too much about truffles in Abruzzo, but thanks yes, for sharing also, the secret. Also, Abru Umbria, Abruzzo, and Molise. Okay. Good to know. I think we're on a pretty good schedule here. So uh, moving along, one of the things I think uh, is very important for us to know is, in your view, the role of women in wine and the changes you've seen in the last decade. I think nowadays um, women are getting more and more recognition in the wine industry. Your mother took over 15 years ago. A few years later, you joined as well. So I think both you and your mother, Marina, have really seen uh, the changes in the last 10, 15 years. Could you share with us more what you think the, uh, the industry have accomplished in the last decade to allow women to be more successful? So I think, let me tell you honestly, I see all these 30 years of uh, wine world out change. Because mm -hmm. when I was a child, I was always uh, with my parents because I had no vacation. So I was in the wine. Like my first in Italy was at, at 10 years old, washing years the old. glasses <laughs> and cutting the bread and the salami and uh, ham. And then I was uh, all the, the, the award, the wine award. I was in all the restaurants, all the, the, the tasting. And I tell you, I'm going to tell you that now changed completely because more than 10 years ago, all the women was uh, on the backstage. It was difficult to find uh, a woman sommelier or um, like a cover of uh, um, a woman, uh, winemaker. Um, still like my grandmother uh, used to say, well, I have other two siblings, my sister and then my brother is uh, 15. There's always a teenager. And my grandmother used to say, finally, we have a Masharelli boy. Finally, uh, the, the winery keep going. Oh, finally. Uh, so it's uh, the old generation, even my grandmother, even the women think about that, no? It was culture. Yeah. Even when my father passed away, I remember all the people in the wine world said, oh, Marina with the ch uh, three children is not going, is, she's going to fail because she's a, a woman, she has a three uh, children, so it's not, she's not Gianni. Uh, so she's always compare uh, high hate with the people compare uh, others. Uh, so because I think everyone is unique. So, um, but now I think uh, everything changed. There is a lot of very good professional women in wine for all all the areas. I think they should getting better and better. But but I think respect of the ten years ago, we do a very good job. Very good effort. Definitely. I, I, I always wonder how your mother did it because I think at that time in 2008, your your brother was, how old was he at that time? Seven months. Seven months. Yes. So, so it is very difficult. I mean, forget about taking over a business. Just being a mother of three by itself is a full-time job. And on top of that, she has to, to take over the entire business. Is it the family support that she got that helped her overcome all these obstacles what was the main thing that really helped her to achieve what she had she's um originally, she's a superwoman. She, 
she's a super, of course, you know, she's a superwoman, but she's uh, half a Croatian, half Serbian. So the, uh, her family was not in Italy. So there was the family of my father that helped, but I think she, she did everything alone. So she's very, very a superwoman, can I, can I tell? <laughs> I remember it was really difficult. Now, if I see what, what she did in this year, in these 15 years, that everything actually changed and better and better. And uh, if I see 15 years, the other months, actually, sometimes we see each other and said, we did a lot of things, changed a lot of things. So we did a lot of things. I remember at the time it was really, really difficult. Like a woman, not uh, so Italian in the wine world. So it was very masculine at the time, but everything went well. Yeah, no, I think thanks to people like women like her and other pioneers, that really helped to shape the women, the role of women today. Is your sister also in the wine trade? She's 23, so she's mm -hmm. still young, but she's uh, studying a university. Okay. But she now a little bit uh, come with me and uh, we will see. And, and when I come to uh, Italy in uh, April, your brother will be the one slicing bread and salami for us? <laughs> at the time it was, uh, because at the time it was, we were uh, very small. We are a family, like a very, like we were like a f a five, pe I think five people in the winery. Uh, yeah. So it's a very big family. Let's go to Verona, all the, the big family. Now we became a little bit bigger, so... Uh, <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> I was, so, if I were I an older sister... <laughs> I mean, if you were the older sister, it's like, I did it when I was 10, so it's now your turn. Um, no excuse. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I have one more question regarding women. Uh, it was has something to do with my own presentation at Wine to Wine uh, last November, uh, because uh, when people talk about women in wine, uh, most of the focus went on to the... Uh, supply side, either the winemaker or the brand manager or, or the CEO of a large company. Uh, there are very few discussion about female drinkers in general, or if there is a discussion about female wine lovers, usually for my research, usually talk about the problems of uh, that, that brought on by female wine drinkers, such as the health issues that bring along with it. For my research, I, I found that uh, women drinkers is a really overlooked demographic uh, in the market, especially in Asia. Most female, and, and I want to see if you agree, they have in general a more sensitive palate. Um, they're also more, they may not be big drinkers in terms of volume, uh, but they are because they are willing to pay more attention to what they're drinking. A lot of times in Asia, they are the ones who are actually more willing to spend on expensive wines. So uh, regarding female drinkers, just from your point of view, do you notice, first of all, their consumption pattern? Any differences uh, between women and men? And also, in general, what your observations are of uh, men versus female consumers? So I think what I see... Uh, especially during the wine dinner, the wine tasting, the, the, the mm -hmm. female, they have no prejudice about wines. Uh, they mm -hmm. are more curious. Uh, they want to try different wines, different region. Uh, they want to, to always uh, listen all the story behind the bottle, the territory behind the bottle. So I think they, they have less prejudice. They are more open mind, I think, about the, 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 the wines. Okay, that's very, very important to know. Again, a second part of the question, do you notice that that apply to uh, different continents that you've been to, whether it is within Europe, in US or in Asia? 
Do you find that similar pattern across the board? Yeah, they are in general. They are more open-minded. They are not very.、Uh, oh, I drink just this region. I dr- I just drink this. No, they are very very open-minded. They are very curious, and they they are more open-minded about try new wines without any judgment before they try. All right, thank you.、Um, I think we have one question from the audience, but I just want to ask one more question.、Uh, recently, I noticed that、uh, on social media, a good number of、uh, Italian wine makers get to meet with the Pope, including your mother Marina. So, could you tell us more about that meeting? Tell us more about、uh, what was happening in that event and any interesting t- thing to share. So she was lucky、uh, <laughs> to be there. She was really, really lucky to be there. But I never. I hope that next year. I will invite、uh, Stevie Kim. Invite me also to go to the Pope. <laughs> And、um, no, but、uh, I love Pope Francis.、Uh, he said that the wine is a gift of God, but、uh, the winemaker has to give the wine the the the, the sense of、uh, it's a point of joy, you know, the, the the source of joy of the wine. So it's a, a responsibility of winemaker for this gift that the the God、uh, give to us. Also. Uh, speak about sustainability, also especially the ethic of the the workers in the wine world. My mother was really excited, like really happy.、Uh, she sent me all the pictures, and、uh, <laughs> and the, we 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 were so happy for her. Oh, it's very 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 special, very exciting. Okay, from the audience,、um, Alan Kwok has a question. From your website, I read that、um, you have also vineyards in the Colline, Teramani. Montepulciano, there are also DOCG denomination. Yet you do not make a DOCG wine. Is that because the grapes there is used as part of the final blend, or it is a pure marketing decision? Hi, Helen. So no,、uh, no marketing, no blending. It's a single vineyard of in Controguerra. It's the name of the village that we make、um, like a one one wine called Iskra. It's one hundred percent Montepulciano that comes from this、uh, single vineyard. I think there's actually a decision of Marina. They don't like something about the regulation of the consortium. So I think she decided to choose the CLG of the Colline Teramane. And in terms of the wine,、uh, do you see a big difference between、uh, the different terroir which you、uh, you have? Regarding Montepulciano, because we do not get、uh, to have this wine in our market. Yes, so I、uh, I know that it's a little bit far, but I suggest you I invite you in Abruzzo <laughs> to see the territory of Abruzzo because it's different between province to province, but it's also different kilometers by kilometers. So village to village, so it's a, there is a huge kilometers. Also, it's a, not a flat territory; it's full of hills. We are between the Apennini, the mountains, and、uh, the sea. There is a huge biodiversity in terms of also the agriculture, not just、uh, with grapes.、So、Montepulciano. From the south of part of Abruzzo are different from the north, from province of Teramo. Even the the Montepulciano from Pescara. Well, it's different, so they change. But I can tell you that change also because I have more than three hundred hectares in all the four provinces, actually. So we can produce Montepulciano in very different phases because the Montepulciano, as you said, like we have in Teramo, is totally different from Montepulciano that we have in Chieti. In terms of soil, in terms of also the climate, in terms of、uh, altitude, we are waiting for you, Alan, in Abruzzo next time. No, I think I need、uh, one year to cover three hundred hectares. Ah, 
hopefully, uh, hopefully, Alan will also come to Benetoli um, in April. So at least uh, we we'll, would we'll get to try your back vintage in, at your booth until next year when he gets to your winery. Oh, okay. So we are okay. waiting for you in Italy. I think we will. Let's just move on to our final questions before we get cut off. What's next? Do you have any projects coming up? Any interesting things you have lined up for the next three to five years for the winery? A lot of projects, a lot of ideas, a lot of things. So now I have a, a vineyard uh, in, uh, in another national park, Gran Sasso, in province of L'Aquila. The village is called Ofena. These 15 hectares is on the, in the middle of this mountain. It's one of the biggest mountain uh, Grand Sasso that we have in the center of Italy, in the, the Apennini Mountains. The vineyard is about 600, uh, 650 meters above the level of the sea. And the beautiful of this vineyard, that there is an old, ancient village of 12 century in the middle of the vineyard we received the authorization of the minister beni culturali because it's uh, under protection because it's one of the oldest site that we have in italy to restore this uh, church uh, made by stone from the mountain so it's made by stone and soil so it's uh, something very unique there is church and other houses like of course it's a village abandoned of the medieval age as a winemaker, we have to respect not just the nature, but also the beauty of the landscape or the territory, you know? Something about, we're speaking about the architecture of the landscape to preserve the beauty of what we have uh, around it, no? No, I think it's back on the sustainability topic that we were talking about earlier, how to respect the environment. I think given the, the size of your, of your estate is even more important. Yes, but okay. we are like even Pope Francis said that you are responsible for everything. So we we got this word uh, very serious. <laughs> good, very good. Uh, thank you very much for being interviewed on Clubhouse today. I'll see you in April. Hopefully, in the near future, you will uh, visit Hong Kong again. We miss you here. I hope because Hong Kong is one of my favorite city. So yeah. I think uh, in October I will be there. Oh. Lovely. Thank you. Can't wait to uh, have you back. Uh, I'll turn it over to uh, Laika. Thank you so much, guys. I am really enjoying listening to the conversation, especially when you talk about your mom, Miriam. So that's really inspiring. Thank you so much, guys. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chi-chi.